I want to welcome you here tonight and uh, ask you to roll with the punches. I especially want to welcome you if this is your first time here. Um, we are honored that you would worship with us. If you want to know more about the church, uh, as you leave, there are baskets of cassette tapes, and you are uh, certainly welcome to take one of those. Those will tell you all about the ministries of the church. And beside those baskets are our new curriculum. If you want to study uh, every day of the week with us, this year, all year long, we're going through a curriculum together in order to prepare us better for the message that comes on the weekend and for the ministry that comes during the week. And if you, if you go through that with us, um, then you'll be surprised what God does in your life. So that's what we're doing together, and you're welcome to pick one of those up. Now, if you would pass those black registration pads, if you haven't already, uh, notice in there that there are a couple of cards that may be of use to you, especially the prayer card. You people uh, with great regularity are going through very difficult times, and many times you don't have someone to pray for you. Um, and we would love to do that. If you don't have someone praying for you and you need that, uh, fill out that prayer card, drop it in any one of these little offering boxes, and you will have somebody praying for you from the church this week. Also, there's a, there's a salt and light feedback card in there. If, you, if you're going through the curriculum with us and you see ways to improve it, let us know. This is brand new for us, and so we're looking for uh, ways to improve it. Now, I've got three announcements quickly. Number one... If you are a registered voter in Seminole County, we would invite you to uh, sign a petition. We are, as part of the Salt and Light thing, um, trying to get on the ballot so that the voters can vote on a public nudity ordinance. We're the only county that doesn't have one, which is why we've got all the industry that we do, and more are coming. And uh, the Supreme Court has specifically said that it's up to each community to set its own standards. And so we at least want to get it before the voters, and we'll abide by whatever they say, but that's, uh, we think that's the right thing to do. So if you're a registered voter in, in, in um, um, Seminole County, if you'd stop by and sign that, sign that petition, uh, um, we'd very much appreciate it. Secondly, this Wednesday morning, Hugh Ross, this is on the back of your newspaper, Hugh Ross, who is... Uh, he has at least a, a weekly television program. I think he may have a daily television program. Anyhow, he approaches the scriptures by way of science. He's a PhD in astronomy, very bright man, and he, and he takes uh, some of the more recent discoveries of, uh, of, uh, of science and, and tells how they then validate the scriptural account. So if you want to, uh, if you're interested in that kind of thing and you'd like to come have breakfast with us on Wednesday morning, it's in the white building, the building out back, Bob. And, um, and if you want to bring a friend who's a little bit skeptical about the faith because he doesn't think or she doesn't think it quite, you know, measures up to science, might be a good thing for them to come in here. Uh, one more announcement. This is the last week uh, that I'm preaching all of the all those services on a regular basis. Um, that is a good thing. This, uh, God, will, God will bless us for this, um, and, uh, and we'll tell you why later. Um, but one of the things that... So this is kind of a historic, last-of-a-kind weekend, and one of the things that we want to leave in the past uh, is our debt. Uh, as you read in the newspaper, we're still around $80,000 in debt. We would just like to kill that thing this weekend so that we can just eliminate this 13-year-old debt that we have had. So in this service, you see these baskets. We hardly ever do this. 
But it's just, it's really been fun all weekend to see the tons of people that are, are doing this together. So after the sermon, there's going to be a song. And if you want to contribute to the elimination of the building debt, uh, there'll be time for you to walk forward and to deposit your, uh, your offering in the, your thank offering in the baskets. Okay? Okay. Well, it's uh, God's providence that on the last weekend that I would preach regularly all the, uh, the uh, messages that I would be preaching on admitting our limitations and being glad for them. Um, I know Orlando's here tonight. There you are, clear back there. You're getting here just in time, man. Uh, Vernon said on that last song, could you stand with me? And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know if I can or not. I'm really looking forward to this. It will be um, in your bulletin. I'm really sorry for the mess up this, uh, this week. We obviously had a misprint in those bulletins. But regularly, it will be in your bulletin who is preaching what services next weekend, uh, Pastor Orlando will be preaching the evening services, and I'll be preaching the morning services. Uh, but after this, you can just look in the, in the bulletin if you're curious. Now, let's talk about limitations. Let's talk about um, how awesome it is that God, who is naturally limitless, would become limited for our sake. And how ridiculous it is that we who are naturally limited will try to be limitless and not admit our limitations. You know, we live in an age where we are probably now second, going into the second generation of human potential movement, which says, you know what? You can do it all. You maximize your potential. You, you go for all, all of these barriers that you see are man-made barriers. You've got to pull out all the stops. You only stand in your own way. It is no accident either that we are at least a decade or two uh, into the invasion of Eastern theology that says, you know, you're at one with the universe. And so the whole universe expresses itself through who you are. Well... I want to tell you that God says just the opposite. God says the body's not one member, but many. And when we don't admit that, we miss something very important. Before I tell you what we miss, let me tell you how ridiculous we look. Now, you know from experience, if you've been at Northland before, many times we will juxtapose or put in very apparent contrast um, the the sublime worship of surrounding the throne to a very <laughs> ridiculous picture of our own human foibles. And that's what we're going to do tonight. We'd like to show you just a little clip of something you've probably seen before. Um, and it really is an attempt um, at not admitting our, um, our own um, just being a little part of something. Uh, it comes out in very confused theology and comes out in a very um, ridiculous appearance. Watch this. Welcome back to the 12th annual presentation of the 53rd annual Global Village Awards. Once again, Miss Lillian Pilcher. Life Achievement Award goes to one who is not only an exceptional humanitarian, but a best-selling author. 
motivational speaker, actress, architect, and beekeeper. Her book of poems, You and Me, Limit Free, has been translated into over three languages. Her autobiography, I Am All Limitless Lunacy, is still on the New York Times bestseller list. Her other books include Conversations with Myself, Me, Myself, and I, Hot and Sour Soup for My Soul, Wired to Myself, and the inner child turns 40. In her career, she has appeared in over 60 films. They include Conversations with Myself, Me, Myself, and I, Wired to Myself, Hot and Sour Soup for My Soul, and The Inner Child Turns 40. We are so pleased to present this year's Life Achievement Award to Miss Lisa Patterson. Thank you, thank you. This, this is overwhelming. You know, I don't often quote the Bible, but as Shakespeare said, honor thyself, for if I die, my honor lives in thee. You know, I never expected to be standing here in front of some of my peers and the rest of you, holding this glorious award. But we here in this hall are very fortunate because we all speak the same language. Yes, Paul? Just like the cows and the rabbits and the wolves who communicate telepathically so too can we communicate like those sacred cows. We are one. We are wired together in a bond of love that is inconceivable to those who don't understand it. It's why we do what we do, and it's why we must be all things to all people. A butcher a baker, a candlestick guy. We are one unit, one measure, one mind, one all-feeling self, able to do, make, acquire, teach, lead, serve, and um, We are the light in the attic, the salt in the food. It's in our bones, it's in our blood, it's in our marrow. We are one, you, me, Valentini Overwear, who made my gowns. All of us painting together with the colors of the wind in the great circle of love. And yet why? Why are we one? Why are we wired as one? Why do we share the same singular giftedness of spirit? I don't know. But thank you. Thank you for this honor, for it is yours also. And let us never forget to be us, because that is who I am. Thank
How many times have we seen Hollywood honor itself? But don't we look just as ridiculous to God when we don't admit our own limitations, when we really believe that we are at one with the universe and not just a little bitty part of the universe? If you would turn in your scriptures to the first chapter, or the first book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, We'll continue where we left off last week. Last week we talked uh, uh, about uh, each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let's continue in that line of thought, in a line that directly contradicts what you've just heard over and over. Verse 14, the body is not one member. The body is not one member, but many now, this sounds confining. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. You know, God put the paradigm together in the Garden of Eden when he looked at the man and he says, it's not good that the man should be alone. Only time in all creation he says it's not good. It's not good that the man should be alone. It's not just about one. And so he made Eve, who was enough like him to be intimate with him, but different enough from him to be necessary. Those are key words. The body, the bride of Christ, is enough like you to be close to you, but different enough from you to be necessary. It is necessary that everyone's different than you are. It is necessary that you're different from everybody else. That's to your advantage. And let me tell you how. When we admit that we're just a part of the deal and a small part at that, we don't get less done, we get more done when we realize that we are attached in the kingdom of God to all these other people. I had a day, one of those days last week that was just a horrible day. You ever had one of those days where you go out and you just run like crazy, you run all day long and you turn around and you've got absolutely nothing done? Well, it was a step below that. You've had these two. Because it was like a minus day. I mean, things went wrong, and you, you just have this sense that the world would have been much better off if you just stayed in bed. I mean, you just really messed things up. The, things got worse because you were there. So I come dragging in that night, and Beck's just whistling around the apartment. I said, I didn't want to talk about my day. I said, so how was your day? She said, Hunter, it was great. She said, I got more done than I've ever gotten in a single day. I got this. And she went down the list. I got this done, this done, this done. This, 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 this. It was wonderful. Now, I want you to guess how I felt when she said that. I bet you just guessed wrong because I felt wonderful. You know why? The more she talked about how much she had gotten done, the more I said, man, I had a great day too. Because when she accomplishes stuff, I accomplish stuff because we're together, you know. We're together. Now, I want you to realize this. When, when, it, when you have a horrible day in the kingdom of God, if anybody in your church family accomplishes something and has a wonderful day, it's a plus day for you because you're together in this thing. I spent three days at, at uh, Covenant College in Chattanooga, Tennessee, on top of Lookout Mountain. I've never been on top of Lookout Mountain before. It's windy up there. And on top of Lookout Mountain, three days of being a mission speaker at their mission conference. 
And I don't pretend that I had much of an impact on anybody. You know, you have a little guy come in, you give a, he has a few talks, and they go in and they say, well, he's pretty good, or he was pretty lousy, but it doesn't really change your whole life. But it changed my life because I went into that cafeteria at all the meal times, and I'd sit with a, a table full of students, and I'd say, what? so what's God doing with your life? And, and for three days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I heard all of these people who God was in their heart, and they were going to do this, and they were going to do this for the kingdom of God. And I just came away thinking, we're going to get so much accomplished. Now, they'll, they'll, in, in, a year, in, a, in, in a week, they won't remember who I was. But I'll remember this. We're attached. We're together in this thing. Because the body isn't one. It's many. And anything they achieve for the kingdom of God, I'm having a good day. Because we're together. That's the glory of this wonderful admission of our limitations. Our limitations look for the achievements of others and find them wonderful. Now, read the next part with me. It says in verse 15, But if a foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And I want you to remember two words in there. Not and less. They occur again. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were a hearing, where would the sense of smell be? Now, I want to tell you two things about spiritual gifts, because that's what we're going into here. We're going into understanding how God has outfitted you uniquely for a, for a contribution to the body. This is about the body, for the body is not one. First of all, let me say this. There's, there's a little, there's a little uh, disclaimer I want to give here. Many times when people don't know how they're wired or they're just discovering how they've been put together to contribute to the world and to contribute to the church um, uh, first and then through, to the world, they get all excited about their spiritual gift. And that's the, that's the box they put themselves in. And so they start relating to everybody through their spiritual gift. Now, let me just give you a hint to save some of your closest relationships. Your closest relationships really don't care what your spiritual gifts are. <clears throat> if, if there were a spectrum of over here, there are a few people that you are very intimate with. You're very close to. You've been close for years and years. And over here on this end of the spectrum, this is basically the world. These are the people who will never get close to you, I mean personally, but they will benefit by your ministry. Spiritual gifts are very important over here. They're not very important over here. I've, I've seen guys that, or, 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 or women that discover they have a spiritual gift of prophecy and go home and immediately start prophesying to their husband. Don't do that. <laughs> no, no, you've been married a long time and they don't need a prophet, they need a husband. See, I heard, a, I love this story that Phil Crosby says on, on one of his training tapes. It tells a story about this guy who's really sick. So he and his wife go to the doctor. She takes him to the doctor. and She waits in the waiting room and he goes in the examination room. And, uh, <clears throat> and uh, he's in there a long time. 
And he comes out kind of shaking his head. And the doctor comes out in the waiting room and, and he motions to the wife, I, I just need to talk with you alone. Would you come in? With? So she goes in the examination room and, and he sets her down. And he says, ma'am, your husband is really sick. I mean, this is, this is very, very serious. I mean, life-threatening. And, 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 and she just stops him right there. And she says, hey, wait a minute. I want you to send him to any doctor he needs to go to. Spare no expense. Don't worry about the money. I want you to send him to any specialist hospital he needs to go to. I want you to use on him all of the latest techniques. Don't you worry about the money. The doctor looks at her and says, you know, this is the kind of disease, kind of an odd disease, but if he's got a chance, it's going to be cured by you staying home with him for an entire year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, never leaving his side, cooking for him, cleaning the apartment every day, no matter what, so there's absolutely no dust around. You're cooking three meals for him a day. You're tucking him in at night. You're giving him all the love and all the appreciation he could ever have. You're telling him how great he is every moment. She gets up and she walks out in the waiting room and the husband looks at her and says, well, what'd he say? She looks at her husband and said, he says you're going to die. <laughs> you see, on this end of the spectrum, the technical things of life aren't very important. They need you. They need you. But on this end of the spectrum, the technical things aren't very important. They don't need you personally. They need what God gave you to contribute to the world. And so when we're talking about spiritual gifts, that's what we're talking about. Now, when you discover what your spiritual gift is, immediately there is the adversary who, who gets you to start comparing yourself to other people. Now, this is bad enough in regular Christianity. But when you start in your ministry, you say, boy, I got a special ministry. Then, and, and, then, and then you start saying, oh, wait a minute. I wish I could be like so-and-so over here. Now, the Bible clearly says this, you are not comparable to anybody else. God made you so unique that anytime you compare yourself to somebody else, it's a bad deal. It's a wrong comparison. You can't compare a foot to a hand. They have two entirely different functions. You can't compare an eye to an ear. They have two entirely different functions. You can't compare an ear to a nose. And you can't compare you to anything else in the body. Because God didn't make you like anything else in the body. And so therefore, anytime you say, eh, I know I can do this pretty good, but I really wish I could do that, because if I could do that, then I'd be a really good Christian. Whoa, wait a minute. Don't do that to yourself. That's why self-evaluation is a bad idea. Because, because we start this comparison thing. M many of you know I used, to, so I used to kind of say, why can't I be more like Billy Graham? I mean, Billy Graham, look at this guy. I mean, this guy is one of the most valuable, in my opinion, he's like the, the top leader of the 20th century. And here he is, he's like 70-some years old, gets, gets up, what, once, twice a year, and just, and preaches, and doesn't, I mean, craft-wise, Billy Graham is not a great preacher. I mean, Billy Graham, if you, if, if you just take preaching as a craft and an art, this guy's just a regular schmo. But he gets up and he goes, 
This is what Jesus did. Anybody want to get saved? I mean, thousands of people. More people come to Christ in one of Billy Graham's sermon that will my whole lifetime. And I'm thinking, why can't I do that? Look, that's like comparing an ear to an eye. Even though it is still my function to witness to people about Christ, it's part of my obedience, a part of what I do, it's part of what we all do. I'm not as, 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 as natural at it as B- Billy Graham. You stick Billy Graham, he bleeds evangelism. I mean, he, I mean, it's true. You, you ask him a question. He'll talk, about, he'll talk about being born again. He'll lead it somehow back to getting saved. That's how he's wired. That's who he was made to be. Now, again, I, I, if I have some time with a guy on an airplane, we'll, we'll get there. But I got to tell you, it's still not a natural thing for me. My eye starts twitching. And I, it does. I got a brother-in-law who you get on, you get on a, 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 an elevator with this guy, and somewhere between the first floor and the third floor, he'll know where you are with Jesus. He, and, and, and you'll be glad you were on the elevator. I'll get on that same elevator, and I'll, my face will start going, well, so how's your spiritual life? You know, it just isn't natural. You know, I do it, but it's just not a natural thing. I can't compare myself with Billy Graham or even my brother. I'm not wired the same. Sometimes I say, why don't I have Mother Teresa's heart? Everybody ought to have her compassion, you know? The people around me wish I had her compassion. <laughs> you know, she, she just is such a wonderful, she sees the most downcast, the most, the most broken, the most, and she just sees Jesus. I go over to the ditch and go, come on, you can do it, get up. I and they don't need that. They need somebody just to love them. And I ought to be able to do that. Why don't I, now I, I, I discipline myself to, to, but, but it's not a natural thing with me. I want to get up and go and go to, you know. But I can't compare myself to Mother Teresa. Nobody can. Nobody can. Here is the key. God didn't make a mistake when he made you just exactly like you are. And it's wrong to think either you don't measure up or it's wrong to think, here's the other extreme, to think everybody ought to be like you. Where would the whole body be if they were like you? It'd be like a whole body being an eye. Good grief. Everybody always thinks, you know, (laughs) this kills me. You know, I really, evangelists think the function of the church is get people saved. That's it. Prophets think the function of the church is to shame, you know, get people uh, 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 startled enough that they're going to obey the truth. That's it. That's the only. Teachers think the function of the truth is just to get the ignorant educated. Servants think the function of the church is just to go uh, and, and put shoes on poor people. Mercy people think the function of the church is to bind up the brokenhearted. Everybody thinks the entire function of the church is what fits their gift. We don't understand the body is not one member, but many. We don't understand how, how important it is to admit our limitations. I heard a story one time, and I don't know whether it's a true story or not, but there was a, a very large, this is an old story, so they used the word insane asylum. Uh, when I first started out working on my doctorate, uh, uh, I worked in an insane asylum. That's what they called it back then. Now it's a mental hospital or a or some other, I don't know, clinic or something. But, uh, but back in that, they called a spade a spade. And, and, uh, and so, <laughs> I mean, and, uh, 
And this was, there was a ward of like a hundred people with very serious psychosis. I mean, they would go into psychotic episodes. Not neurosis, we're all neurotic. But I mean, these were people who, who were, and there was one guard. And one time a, a, an inspection team came and they said, aren't you scared? And he said, scared of what? And, and they said, scared that they're all gonna, they're all gonna get their heads together and they're gonna plot and they're gonna plan and they're gonna, they're gonna take over. They'll, they'll just, they'll just overtake you. He said, you don't know much about insanity, do you? He said, the definition of insanity is that you can't work according to other people's reality. The definition of insanity is that you think that little world in your own head is the world. I want to tell you, that's a very good definition of insanity for us all. Anytime we think the world in our head is the whole world, that's insane. Anytime we think that, that God's got it all going on in this church and He hadn't got it going on in any other churches, that's insane. Anytime we think that the kingdom of God is about organized religion at all, that's insane. What God would love for us to say is, you know, we're just a little bitty speck of this deal. And because we're the church, we need Campus Crusade for Christ because they do evangelism much better than we do them. We need them. God put them here for us, and they need us. And because we're the church, we need uh, uh, Christian schools because they do that so well. And because we're the church, we need Christian colleges. Because we're the church, we need to be linked with government so that we can serve the city we live in. We need those people because we're just a little speck by ourselves. You see, it is insane to believe that the church is all God's interested in. The kingdom of God is not one, but many. And that is wonderful when any one of those things do their job because it helps us out too. We are so absolutely enamored with the concept of equality. We have forgotten the validity of a role. Think about it for a minute. Think of what's happened with men and women in this country for the last three decades. We've wanted men and women to be equal. That's good. That's good. But you know what? In God's world, that's already established. That's not even an argument. At the foot of the cross, it's all level. It's all level. What we've done, though, is we've become so enamored with equality, we've forgotten the value of role. And now we have men who are afraid to be men. They're ashamed of their masculinity. They think they can't be masculine tender at the same time. No, they've got to discover their woman's side, whatever that is. That's, that's stupid. You can be compassionate. That's a part of being a man. We have women who are afraid to be women. They want to be men because they don't think they can be strong as a woman. That's stupid. You can, you're just as, you can be just as strong. You don't have to act like a man. You don't have to dress like a man. You don't have to take over a manly role. That's not necessary. We have parents who are ashamed of being parents. Well, who am I to tell this child what to do? You're the parent. That's who. 
This is not an equality thing. Of course that kid has equal value with you. Of course he does. That doesn't mean you give up your role. If you give up your role as an authority figure, how is that kid ever to grow up? What does he have to grow up to? You're a kid. Where's he going to see it? Do you understand how important it is to maintain our roles, to maintain the place God put us into and made us for? And it's just as important with spiritual gifts. You shouldn't go around saying, look, I, I, I realize well, I'm a little strong as a prophet, therefore maybe I ought to be more of a teacher. No, you're a prophet. You're a gift to the church and to the world by being a prophet. Take it, mature, mature it. Always do it with love. Do everything you do with love. And of course, we all have the responsibility to be prophetic and, and teach when we're called upon and to serve when we're called upon, be merciful when we're called upon. But man, if you've got a gift and you know what that gift, take off with that thing. That is your job. Look at what it says in this last verse. It says, but now, verse 18, God has placed. God has placed. That in the Greek is in the aorist tense, middle voice, and that means this. It's already done. God's not deciding as he goes along. He's already made up his mind about you. If you're not pleased about the way you're wired, that's too bad. You're wired like you are. Live with it. Enjoy it. And enjoy how everybody else is wired. Quit trying to make them wired like you are. You're messing up the mix here. Because it says right here, but now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. He didn't make a mistake when He made you. Take off with this thing. The other day, Joel asked me, um, Dad, why are, why are some civilizations uh, or some cultures, some countries, so far behind other countries in their development? And I kind of stumbled around with a dumb answer. But there is a book out uh, that has just been published called The Wealth and Poverty of Nations. The author is uh, Professor Landis of Harvard uh, University, and he has pointed out at least one very valuable point. And he says this, there were many cultures that began in a, uh, or reached a very advanced stage early but they are no longer advanced in their development for at least one very important reason. You see, in the West, we have embraced the entrepreneur. We have said, if you've got gifts, if you've got talent, you go for it, and somehow all of us will be improved by it. But in other countries, let's take China, for example. China, very early, developed one of the most advanced civilizations on the face of the earth. Their medicine was advanced. Their, their art was advanced. Their civilization, they way, the way they related to one another was advanced. Their literature was advanced. But in China, if you began to advance as an individual, you were pulled back by the political system to say, no, you can't exceed your ancestors. You can't exceed what is valuable for the rest of the culture. And so the entrepreneur, the gifted, the talented, was pushed down. Look at the Islamic civilization. Many of you know that in the year 1000, the most advanced civilization on the face of the earth was Islamic civilization, the Byzantine Empire. Most of you know that they had the brightest mathematicians, 
They had the latest, they had the, the best scientific uh, uh, advancements. They had the, the incredible literature, the incredible art. Why did they not continue to advance? Because somewhere along the line, very early in that, you had to meet up to a fundamentalist theology or your ideas could not advance. And if you didn't meet up and mix in with that fundamentalist theology, your ideas were not accepted. You were suppressed. I want to tell you, God has made you to go for it. And God has made you such that when you find the way you minister best to people and you pour energy into that development, all of us are benefited. And all of the world is benefited. God has placed you exactly where He wants you. He's made you exactly like He wants you. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Build on it. And build on it in a way, I'll close with this, that allows you to appreciate that others have what you don't and that you need them as well. Because when you get right down to it, God is not all about achievement. If God was about achievement, He'd wipe us all out and do it Himself, wouldn't He? You ever seen, you ever seen, you ever seen a father try and, try and uh, get something done with a two-year-old? And if he really wants to get it done, he'll say, uh, Honey, I think your mama's calling you. And then he'll just do it when the kid's away. If God was all about achievement, He'd do the same thing. Why don't you guys just play for a while? I'll build the thing. God is about love. God's about love. God's about putting us together, making us interdependent. God is about us appreciating one another. One time, there was a, there was a contest in a, in a newspaper in a town that was some distance from London. And they offered a prize to the person who could answer this question. What is the shortest way to London? What is the shortest way to London? You know what the prize winning entry was? Good company. You see, it's not about geography. It's not about how quick we can get there. It's about who we travel with and how well we travel with each other. Pray with me. God, we thank you that you have not made the body one but many. We thank you for your divine providence that would say we need each other. And we ask you, even as you have uniquely made us, that you would help us confess our limitations and live within our limitations so that we can build bridges to the others that you have put in our life to complete our lives to complement our gifts. We pray, Lord God, that through these coming years that you will build us into world changers, but you will build us even more into a family, into one body that is Jesus Christ. We pray it in His name. Amen.